Good morning. Our call to worship is from Isaiah. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. Let us pray. Father, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Father, you are indeed worthy of our highest praise. We pray that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, you would graciously enable us to worship you with our whole hearts this morning. For this we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please turn to him 172.
Please be seated. As we come before our holy God, it is fitting that we open our hearts with our prayer of confession, printed in the bulletin. Please pray with me. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, confess our manifold sins and wickedness, which we most grievously have committed, thought, word, and deed, against your divine majesty, justly your wrath and indignation against us. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous to us. The burden of them is intolerable. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, for your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ's sake. Forgive us this past and grant that we may after serve and please you in the midst of life. To the honor and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please stand for the insurance of pardon, which comes from Colossians chapter 2. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ's work on the cross provides for our complete and everlasting forgiveness before God. And let us say, Praise be to God. Please be seated. Our call to grateful obedience comes from Titus chapter 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what is profitable for us is to seek peace and the good of our neighbor always. For this is God's will for you in Christ. And let us say, Amen. Amen. Turn next to hymn 644. Thank you. 
please be seated. And also uh, join with me as we approach the Lord in our prayer of intercession. Oh, Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you as the Lord of the universe. You know each of our names, the hairs of our head, and the length of our days. We ask, Lord, that you would give us peace and that you would draw many more to salvation around the world. For our civil rulers, for President Biden and Vice President Harris, for Chief Justice Roberts and the other members of the Supreme Court, for our senators, Stabenow and Peters, for our U.S. reps, including Lisa McLean, John James, Haley Stevens, Rashida Tlaib, and Sri Tenadar, for our Governor uh, Whitmer and Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist, and for all of our state senators, representatives. We ask that you would cause them to govern with justice, mercy, and godliness. We ask that they would be given your wisdom and not rely on their own. We ask that you would improve our communities and our state and our nation in your wisdom, using both leaders who know you and those who do not, to accomplish your holy will. And we ask that you would preserve our liberties, especially our freedom to preach and teach about you, to gather in your name and to publicly worship you. For the Church Universal, we ask that you would continue to be the shepherd of your sheep around the world. Despite our vast differences, we pray that your one true, clear gospel would continue to be proclaimed and believed among all nations. We further pray that you would thwart those who would water down the gospel to align it with socially popular human wisdom. We especially pray for your protection and strengthening of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world especially those in Iran, Nigeria, North Korea, and Pakistan. We pray that you would continue to strengthen your missionaries around the world. Please continue to provide for their spiritual encouragement and financial support. For those of us who have not been called to the mission field in that same way, please use us to encourage and support them and participate in your great commission. For our congregation here at Providence, from the beginning our name Providence has acknowledged your lordship over this congregation. Please continue to provide for all of our needs, known and unknown. We pray for our pastor, elders, deacons, trustees, teachers of Christian education, that you would give them the energy and wisdom to fill those roles in godly and effective ways. We pray for all of us, from the oldest to the youngest, that you would make us good and faithful members of the Providence family, that you would feed and nurture us here, and that you would give us a hunger to know you better all our lives. We thank you for the adult children of our members and ask for their protection and guidance. Please make their lights shine before men, that you may be worshipped. And today we rejoice from afar with the Wilson family as they celebrate the baptism of baby Talitha. In this season at Providence, we pray that you would bless our congregational conversations and the work of the Future Search Committee, and that you would bless us with good and godly pastoral leadership for the future, as you have for many years past. We pray for all the various congregations of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Today we especially lift up Oakland Hills Community 
in Farmington Hills, Pastor Harrison Perkins and his wife Sarah. For all churches of the OPC that are experiencing tension within their congregation or conflict with other congregations who are struggling to find leaders or struggling financially, as you have brought these congregations together, we ask that you would sustain them. For our daily needs, for our singles and families, young and old, wealthy and poor, healthy and sick, joyful and mourning, you know our needs, even those which are hidden from others and even those that are hidden from ourselves. We ask that you would provide exactly what each of us needs at exactly the time it is needed. Um, We particularly uh, lift up to you uh, those listed uh, in our life together, including Don and Michael, Frida, Tammy and her family, Luca, Eduardo and Shirley, Jeff and Linda, Bob and Fawn, Caroline, Becky, Vicki, Bob, Tom, Phil, Angie, Karen, Dominic. We cling to your promises and anticipate the day when each of us will be made perfect and will receive a crown of glory and enjoy unbroken fellowship with you forever. Finally, for our unsaved loved ones, for those we know and love who do not know you, we pray that you would give us the opportunity and the boldness to continue to share your gospel with them. May your spirit work in them. And we beg that you would intervene in the lives of these friends and relatives of ours to their eternal salvation, our own great joy, and your glory. We pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Ask the ushers to come forward and collect our offering this morning.
Please be seated. And we join now in a prayer for God's illumination on our reading this morning. Oh, Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for an opportunity to gather in your name and open your word. But we know that understanding and belief come from you and not by our own wisdom. We pray now that you would send your spirit to open our minds and open our hearts that we may hear and believe your words of truth. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is from Exodus chapter 24, verses 5 through 8. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Our Psalter response comes from Psalm 51. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Let me hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sins. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Our epistle reading comes from Hebrews. Chapter 9, verses 11 through 14, and provides the context for the sermon this morning. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Finally, our gospel reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 14 through 18. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, And I lay down my life for the sheep. 
and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. The word of the Lord. Well, it's a delight to be with all of you once again, to be able to worship the Lord uh, together. Um, Just a little bit of news from your fellow Napark churches. The PCA had its General Assembly. It was its 50th General Assembly, so we celebrated 50 years, uh, the formation of it in 1973. Uh, The first General Assembly was at the Briarwood Presbyterian Church. Uh, We also learned at General Assembly that um, uh, we're one of the oldest denominations in terms of membership um, among evangelical um, and certainly Reformed churches, but uh, the PCA has the highest percentage of young pastors and church planters that that are coming through our seminaries. And um, right now, the PCA is planting one new PCA church every two weeks. And so we're excited about what God is doing um, with the gospel and taking the gospel um, into the world. So just a little bit of news with that. One of the things that General Assembly worked on this uh, over a week ago during General Assembly was really addressing the purity issues for ordained uh, men to serve and to clarify even further uh, to include, which is being sent down to our presbyteries to vote on, but to include um, the, the idea of a committed chastity and purity of even how men describe themselves. And that has become a big issue among uh, ministers in terms of um, sexual desires and things like that. So really tightening up and... Um, clarifying and really remaining true to scripture and biblical teaching as well. So we're really excited about that and and eager to uh, vote that and and have that in our uh, book of church order as well, just to clarify. I'd like to welcome those of you uh, who are joining us online. Good to have you here. So at this time, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, I'll be reading verses 2 or 27 to 28. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 to 28. No doubt most of us have had in our minds this past week the five crew members in the Ocean Gates Titan mini sub uh, that was uh, uh, um, sending tourists as quote unquote down the tight to the see the Titanic, and uh, if if you're like me, you are wondering what it was like for those uh, five crew members in a small capsule 
uh, going into the depths of darkness and looking uh, for the Titanic. And then when they went missing, uh, an hour and 40 minutes or so after they entered the water, wondering what their fate was and wondering whether or not they were alive. And it was hard for us not to put ourselves in that situation of what it would be like for us to sort of imagine what that might be uh, like. And then, of course, we learned that um, there was uh, an implosion of the submarine. And according to all the experts, the, um, it was so rapid. I mean, think about it, near, nearly 6,000 pounds per square inch on your body at the depth that they were believed to be at when the implosion occurred that uh, they didn't experience anything. It was instantaneous. So they never knew what happened. They had no opportunity to think about what the end of their days would be like. Well, what if you had the opportunity to think about the end of your days and what would go through your mind? About a month ago, the Reformed community lost a couple great giants, fathers in the faith, uh, Harry Reeder, who was pastor of uh, the historic Briarwood Presbyterian Church, died uh, when he ran into a dump truck. And that was pretty much instantaneous. And then probably one that you are more familiar with is Tim Keller. Dr. Keller died of cancer. Um, and he is the author of the book that perhaps you read. It's one of my favorite books to read, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. I've used that book in many occasions uh, in my counseling as well as uh, in sermons and in discussions with other people. And it was such a powerful book that I read that, you know, I wondered, you know, Tim being the author, and I've, I've known Tim personally. We worked on the same uh, committee in Presbytery when we were both in what was then the New York State Presbytery. And, you know, I wondered, you know, as he wrote that book and just, you know, every word was just, every sentence was just great, quotable, so, sort of like Charles Spurgeon, the quotable Spurgeon. I wondered what it would be like when he came to the end of his days. I wonder what would go through his mind and what he would say, what he would think, um, what would be on his mind, and how he would respond as he came to the end of his days. And then I wonder how might you and I respond when we know or when we hear from our doctor, I think it's time to consider hospice care for you. What will go through our minds? What will we think about? Perhaps some of you in this room are there. You know what that experience is like. Others of you, in most cases, one day will experience that, and that will be true for you. But how will we respond? The passage that I'm going to read, just two verses, helps us know how we can respond to that question, should that issue come before us. So Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's pray together. 
Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you might take these words, which perhaps are familiar to us, and brand them in our hearts, in our minds, and in our conscience. That you might speak to us through your word, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Life is pain. Anyone who says differently is selling something. (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines from the movie Princess Bride when Wesley says to Buttercup these words, life is pain. And it certainly is. In fact, if you think about it, everyone in this room, no matter what row you're sitting in, what chair you're in, every single one in this room, young and old alike, are suffering in one way or another. Whether mentally, or emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of us in this room have that one thing in common. We come this morning, we walk through those doors of the church, and we come as suffering people. You know, I think if we really believed that about each other, I think we would be far more patient and understanding with each other and slow to judge, quick to sympathize and empathize with those who are suffering. I think it would change the tenor of our relationships in so many different ways if we really knew and believed that all of us are suffering in one way or another. Some of you have known this firsthand in the case of death. Losing someone that is close to you, it might be a spouse, it might be a child, it might be a sibling, it might be a close friend, it might be a member in this church. But all of you, or most of you at least, know this pain firsthand. And death is very painful and it's hard for us to walk through that journey, walking with God through pain and suffering. It's not an easy thing. It's not for the lighthearted, but it's very difficult. In uh, Lord of the Rings, there's a scene, if you watch the movie of it, there's a scene in which uh, Toriel loses someone very close to her, and she's having a very difficult time grappling with death of her close friend. And with tears falling from her eyes, she says these words, If this is love, I do not want it. Take it from me, please. Why does it hurt so much? And then Thranduil walks in and says to her, Because it was real. My dear friends, the reason it hurts so much for us is because death is also real. It was real for our Savior. And it's real for us as well. It's horrible. It's awful. We can't minimize it as some try to do. Death is horrible. It's terrible. It never comes at a convenient time. Death always steals away. It always comes when we're not expecting it. It always comes when we have plans that evening. It always comes when we have plane reservations to take off this weekend. Death comes, and it steals away. Hebrews 
9, verse 27, reminds us of a very stark reality. In fact, this passage came to my mind when I learned that Tim Keller had died. And truth be told, it's like, why is that verse in the Bible? Why does it have to be that way that it's appointed for man to die once? Why? I know the theological answers for that. You do too. You know the biblical answers. But emotionally, why? Why is it so hard? You know, Hebrews chapter 9, our passage, though short in reading this morning, reminds us that death cannot be escaped. We can't escape death. God appoints for us a day in which death will come knocking on our door. Contrary to popular belief, because I hear this working in hospice all the time, that a loved one walks out of the room and then it's at that time that the spouse or the sibling chooses to die when the one who's keeping vigilant vigilant walks out of the room. And you hear that all the time. But in truth, we don't choose when to die. It's God who appoints a day when that death will come. We are under his providential care and providential determination as well. Death comes not at our choosing, but because of the curse of sin that has fallen into this world. I want you to notice in our passage, if you'll drop your eyes down and look at verse 27 and 28 once again, notice what it says there. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, by the way, the writer of Hebrews is very fond of using that word once <laughs> throughout Hebrews. If you ever you're reading Hebrews, just make note of that. It's used quite frequently. Um, it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now verse 28, comparison of Christ now. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many through his death, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Notice sort of the parallelism and also the opposites that here. Man dies only to await judgment. And the verb that's, the word that's used there is a continual condemnation, a continual judgment, a judging that is occurring. But with Christ, when Christ comes, when Christ dies on the cross... He promises and brings with him restoration. And notice just the difference there. With man, death brings judgment, condemnation. With Christ, his death brings restoration and hope for those who are suffering. A tombstone read as follows. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you must be. Therefore, prepare to follow me. You know, this is really nothing new. You remember, I'm sure, Moses, who taught us to teach or to number our days, right? To number our days. In other words, think about our death. Don't fear having one foot in the grave at all. Our society teaches something very differently, doesn't it? I mean, we are this ever-optimistic culture. We shall not allow any, any negative thought to come into our mind. We shall not speak anything num, uh, negative. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, we have more and more celebrations of life services than we have the traditional f- funeral services because people don't want to handle the pain. 
I mean, I see that's a stark reality with with the funeral, many funerals that I do, and and uh, the deaths that our hospice company experiences, and working with families. No one wants to experience the pain. We're not very good at practicing how to die because we don't even like to talk about it. We ignore it. And yet Moses teaches us very to have a very sober-minded approach to life, and that is to th- we to think about our death, to number our days. Why? Moses tells us, so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Boy, that's not what the world wants to hear these days, is it? But it does teach us wisdom. So the question is, if we have one foot in the grave, where does the other foot go? (laughs) What do we do with the other foot? We can't always be thinking about our death. We have to be functional in life. We have to move forward. We have to make plans. We have to go forward and do things. Well, what happens to our other foot? Where does that go? Well, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 gives us the answer. Look again at verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The Bible promises us this. We remind one another of that in the Lord's Supper, every time we take the Lord's Supper, that Christ is coming again, that he's coming again quickly and soon, that he's coming again from heaven to save those who are in the grave and to save those who are still living, who are eagerly waiting for him. That little two-word in English word is one word in the Greek, and it literally reads, who are constantly and regularly, eagerly waiting for him. It's not just on Sunday when we take the Lord's Supper, but it's Monday morning when you wake up and you've got piles of laundry to do, you've got issues at work, you've got struggles in your neighborhood, you've got problems in your family. It's even in those times that we eagerly wait for the coming of our Savior. It's on our minds. We think about it frequently and regularly in our lives. One foot in the grave. Where does the other foot go? I like what John Flavel, who is the English Puritan minister, said. He said, Oh, then, let not believers stand in fear of the grave. He that has one foot in heaven need not fear to put the other into the grave. Wow. Boy, I love that thought. I was reminded of that thought from our pastor at URC, Jason, who quoted Flavel, and I thought, that's, that's a quote you want to put up. That is such a powerful Quote, oh, then let not believers stand in fear of the grave. He that has one foot in heaven need not fear to put the other into the grave. The psalmist says it even better. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It was Jesus himself. It was your Savior who himself walked through the shadow of death. His lying in the grave changed the nature of the grave so that it is not what it was. 
which was a place of curse for our sin against a holy God. It is now for the saint who rests therein. It is now a perfumed bed, as one of the Puritans said. It is a place of rest and of great hope for those who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus' rest in the grave changes the whole nature of the grave. Completely. It is a place of hope. Yes, it's a place of sadness. And we're told in the scriptures that the Lord numbers our tears, that he takes our tears and he puts them in a bottle. I mean, how wonderful is that to know when you're in the hospital bed or on your hospice care that the Lord is bottling up your tears and they're precious to him. Many of the world religions offer consolation for those who are grieving. I've heard it time and time again in my hospice company from chaplains who are not Christians, but they're peddlers of religions, and they offer all kinds of pithy sayings and quotes and things like that that um, you know, can offer some measure of consolation to those who are grieving. But only Christianity offers both consolation and restoration. That's why Christianity is unique and stands far above all of the other world religions. We get our bodies back. <laughs> no other religion teaches that. We get our bodies back. Bodies that we never had but always wished for. And they will forever be incapable of dying. Oh, the blessed hope that we have. That is what we are to be thinking about when we hear those words from the doctor or when we have some kind of illness strike our loved one. The hope that we have. And you know that. You know that from the scriptures. But some of you one day, some of you sooner than the others beside you, will know that and experience the need of relying upon that promise firsthand sooner than others. And it's a hope that we need to practice thinking about and cultivating in our minds. It's a promise that God makes to those who are eagerly waiting for him. The one who paid the penalty for our sin and purchased a place for us in heaven, which he offers as a free gift through faith in Christ alone. To those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let me ask you, dear friend, are you intentionally and conscientiously eagerly waiting for his return? Do you think about that? How will you respond when your days come to an end? You know, it's really a question for all of us. It's a question worth considering. Why? Why is it worth considering? Because God has put eternity in our hearts. And those things, those ultimate questions matter to us. They will matter to us as believers. They even matter to those who are atheists. They matter. Because God has put eternity in our hearts. And one of the ways in which we prepare for that day, one of the ways in which we number our days, is what Paul illustrated and exemplified in his own life. We, like Paul, and even more significantly, like Jesus, we need to discover the art of practicing to die every day. 
we practice dying every day. One foot in heaven, one foot in the grave. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a way that we live. We practice dying to sin. We practice dying to the things of the flesh, our desires that are contrary to God's word. We practice it. It's on our minds day after day, week after week. It becomes a regular practice for us that we don't get too... Uh, too selfish with the things of this world. We don't hold too tightly. I struggle with holding things tightly. I suspect I'm probably not the only one in this room. But practice dying to ourselves means we loosen that grip intentionally and conscientiously to those things that bring value in our life this side of heaven. We learn to let go and put it in the safest hands possible, in the hands of our dear Savior. Are you improving on the art of dying, this side of heaven? So when that day comes, when the news comes from the doctor, or when you find out that your days are very limited, you will be well-practiced and ready to see Jesus. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote these words. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. What will your response be when your days come to an end? Your response at that time should be the response of your daily living today. What will be your response? Remember, I I wondered how Tim Keller would respond at the end of his days after writing this phenomenal book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. I wondered what his answer would be, but I finally got my answer of how Keller would respond. As he was leaving the hospital, he told his family after he went to his home to be on hospice care, He told his family and those around him, he said, all I want right now is to see Jesus. That's all I want right now. And he kept repeating that over and over. I want to see Jesus. Just a couple days after he was discharged from the hospital that he died at home on hospice care. I want to go see Jesus. Can you say that when life is going well for you? Will you say that when life turns south for you? Jesus tells us the very end of the Bible and Revelation. It's recorded for us. Look at it. Read it. It's there. Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. To which those who are eagerly waiting for him say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we confess to you that we are so prone to hold tightly the things of this world and that in all honesty we would rather have the comforts of this world than the things of your kingdom which oftentimes brings suffering and discouragement. We are a people influenced in many ways by our culture 
and Western values and priorities than we are of kingdom values and priorities. Lord, we pray that you might help us to practice the art of dying so that we deep in our hearts might long for nothing other than to see Jesus. Lord, help us to do so with grace, with hope, and with encouragement, encouraging one another with the words of Scripture as we see their days coming to an end, even as we see our days coming to an end. We ask for your help. We ask for your grace and mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we confess our one common faith. Using the words of the Nicene Creed. People of God, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Remain standing, if you will, and use the words to hymn number 493, We Have Not Known Thee As We Ought. 493.
verse 5. When shall we be seated. Uh, it being our, the last Lord's Day of the month of June, uh, we will collect our diaconal offering. If the ushers would come forward to do that, please. As you know, all of our Savior's life was given over to suffering. He is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He knew firsthand what it means to take on human flesh and all of its infirmities and all of its struggles and problems and issues. And this was certainly heightened in the last week of uh, his presence here on earth uh, before his crucifixion that last week, um, that final week of our Savior. And even on the cross, the, the very one who said, he who drinks from me the living waters, the living spring of waters, will never thirst. And yet, it was Jesus who on the cross said, I thirst. As Jesus hung on the cross, his, he was consumed with obeying his Father's will, even by going to the cross and paying the penalty for our sins. And even there on the cross, his words, it is finished, in Aramaic to Telestai, means all the work that the Father had given him to do was now complete. With this final act 
of paying for the sins of his people as he gave up his spirit in death. Just interesting, just this, the, what Jesus thought in his life, full of suffering, that, that the author and giver of life would also succumb to physical life and give himself over to death. Why? He was young. He did that because of his love for you. He did that because of his love for his father and carrying out his father's will. As he hung on that cross and said, it is finished, the work of his substitutionary atonement had been completed. He suffered the wrath of God in our place. That's what this table represents for us and reminds us that our Savior died in our place. He paid the penalty that you and I deserve of eternity being separated from God for all eternity in the fires of hell. And yet our Savior experienced the wrath of God so that you would not know one day what it would be like to experience the wrath of God. That ought to evoke gratitude and thankfulness and awareness of his mercy that is represented here at this table. Our Savior did that for you. He did that for me. We didn't deserve it. He gave his life for us. We come week after week to this Lord's Supper. It ought to remind us afresh and anew the passion that our Savior had for us and the call to obedience he makes to us as well when we take this supper. For not only do we remember his death, his atonement, his shed blood when we take the Lord's Supper, but by the very fact that the Lord has instituted the use of bread and wine to nourish our physical bodies, so they nourish our souls and our spirits. That when we partake of this supper, it is more than just a remembrance. It is a means of grace that strengthens us, that encourages us in our faith when we just feel like we just can't go on anymore. Or the 6,000 pounds per square inch on our body just seems to be too much for us to bear. The Savior says, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. But we are to come to the Savior, and he will never turn us away because of what this table represents. And so as you come to this table, it is a means of grace that God uses by his Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to encourage us in our faith. If you're here today and you do not know the Savior, then there is no benefit for you here in this table. In fact, the Bible tells us and warns those who come to this table in an unworthy manner not to do so because they would be eating and drinking judgment upon themselves. It's a costly table. It's not just for anyone, but it's for those who belong to Christ, through profession of faith, who are members in good standing of some evangelical church that proclaims the gospel. It doesn't have to be this church. It could be another church where you are a member that honors and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come. All are welcome to come and partake of the Lord's Supper, to be encouraged and nourished in your faith. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and a good and joyful thing, Lord, for us to come before you 
not in our own merits, not in our own righteous works or righteous attitudes or thoughts, but we come to you in humility and brokenness, realizing that your love was so great for us that it sent you to the cross for our sins. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us as we come before you and eat at your table, that we might truly be grateful, that we might be committed to doing your will and recommit ourselves to being obedient to, the, to your covenant word and live for Christ. Help us, Lord, to do this because we cannot do it in our own strength, especially in those days when we just feel horrible. And yet you come to us through your spirit and help us do what we cannot do in our own strength. And so, Lord, we honor you, we praise you, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever, and together we say, Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, our Savior took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. Our gracious Savior, we pray that you might take these common elements that we use to nourish and feed our bodies, that you might use them now for their spiritually intended use, that they might refresh and nourish our souls. For we pray and ask in Christ's name, amen. Do people come forward?
body of the Lord given for you. Take and eat all of it. cup of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take and drink all of it. Let's pray. You have been good to us spite of who we are, yet you have lavished your love upon us. You have forgiven us when we don't deserve to be forgiven. You have put your spirit in us when we would oftentimes wish for the spirit of this world to guide us. You have put eternal hope in us when we were so prone to live for only the hope that this world has to offer. Help us, O oh Lord, in your grace to rise above the echoes and the sounds of this world, that we might live for you, that we might be eagerly waiting for your return, day in and day out, that you might enable us to practice the art of dying to ourselves, so when that ultimate day comes, we will have been well practiced. So grant us your grace. Give us a heart of gratitude and thankfulness that motivates us to make choices and decisions throughout this week that reflect godliness and holiness. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Oh, I think we were to sing a hymn. Let's go ahead and sing hymn number 429. Actually... Let's let's move on to 604. <laughs> 604 let's see. Praise. 
been a great delight to worship the Lord with you and to have the Lord's Supper with you. What a, what a joy that is for all of us. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may equip you with everything good for doing his will. May work in us what is pleasing to him, to whom be glory and majesty both now and forevermore. Amen. Please be seated, and a uh, very joyful good morning to you all. Um, just a few announcements as we uh, get started today. Uh, first of all, thank you to uh, Steve Gonzalez, uh, for who's always been a very uh, faithful in his uh, in his leading of, of worship when uh, Jeff can't be here. So, um, thank you, and uh, hope you all uh, were edified as much as I was. Um, we will, as far as our, uh, we will have uh, fellowship time uh, immediately following the service, and then um, for our usual Christian Ed hour, um, we have, it will be a little while before Christian Ed meets uh, as usual. Uh, for today, of course, we will be having our, um, our next uh, second congregational congr- conversation, um, but basically just talking about both uh, reflecting on what we are as a congregation at Providence, and uh, also on... Um, 
what uh, what we would like to be, both what we would like to maintain from uh, from currently what we are and, and perhaps what we uh, hope to, to grow into in the future. Uh, all of that with a uh, view to informing um, our search for a, a pastoral candidates um, down the line. So um, if you are, uh, for, all, for all members who are able to stay, uh, if you are uh, able to do that, that would be really um, helpful. And we're really looking for uh, a lot of input, um, and uh, the, the more we the more we know uh, all of our kind of our collective heart, I think the better the um, the committee can do its work. So um, anyway, that is today for next uh, Lord's Day. We will be on uh, July the second. We will not have Christian education because, of course, being the first Lord's Day of the month, we will have our fellowship meal, and um, the following one, we talk a, a little bit. Um, I guess intermittently we've kind of prayed for different um, uh, opportunities to serve in our community and uh, you know, ways that we can serve uh, the, the people around us. And uh, we do have the jail ministry, of course, but um, another opportunity, you know, we pray for Lawrence Tech. Another opportunity that we have um, is to support a program called Celebrate Recovery. And so during the Christian Ed time on July the 9th, um, Amy will be presenting um, on that um, and uh, hoping to provide a, a space um, and a presence to uh, to participate in that ministry in our community. So please plan on being here to learn about that and learn about ways uh, what it is and ways in which we can support it. Um, and then I believe, if nothing else gets added in the meantime, that would make it uh, July 16th that we will resume. Um, Gentle and Lowly, that's an excellent chance for people like myself to catch up on the reading of Gentle and Lowly to be prepared for the July 16th Christian Ed time. Um, are there any other announcements from the floor? Yes, Annie. Excellent. So for those of you worshiping at home, um, Annie uh, Caesars has asked for prayers for her brother CJ, um, who's having surgery on Thursday this week, uh, both for the surgery and for um, Annie and CJ's parents, who are his caregivers. Uh, so please be raising them up in prayer. Anyone else? Yes, please, Mrs. Collins. Uh, also, yes, for those of you at home, so uh, Don Collins will also be having surgery on Thursday, so please uh, carve out some time on Wednesday and Thursday morning to uh, be raising uh, both CJ and Don Collins up in prayer. Any other announcements? Okay, you can all do me a huge favor if you would spend the first 90 seconds of fellowship time in your seat just so I can take who's, uh, get a list of who's going to be here for uh, the conversational, uh, congregational conversation, um, and that helps me kind of slot out the groups. Um, as mentioned, this is, uh, these are other questions, so it's not redundant to the first one. Um, it is uh, in addition to, we thought there was more to talk about and reflect on that could be done in a single day. So um, if you can be here, we'd love for you to stay, but uh, certainly will not hold it against you. So I'm just going to stroll down the center line, and if you could give me a quick, like, 
thumbs up or a shake of the head or something, uh, I will get my list, and then you can have coffee and whatever other deliciousness awaits you in the kitchen. And uh, to our guests, uh, you know, welcome, and uh, please join us for that time. We we, ha- we do a lot of eating together. Uh, if you are not familiar with this congregation, we, that's uh, our, our, our number one form of fellowship. So um, welcome and please join us for, for coffee and snacks. <laughs>